Welcome to Peer Spectrum, where we bypass the ordinary and familiar to explore the unsettled edges of medicine, where we tackle real problems in depth with those specialized and dedicated to solving them, where we mine the knowledge and experience spectrum of your peers through long-form conversations, not sound bites. Take us with you anytime, anywhere, and get ready to make your downtime count. Get ready for Peer Spectrum with Keith Mankin and Colin Miller. Let's start today with a very simple question. Do you like the place you live? We're not asking about the quality of the hospital, your patient population, the local payer mix, your partners, etc. Putting your career and practice aside for a moment, just think, do I really like where I am? Medicine is a career that can take you anywhere, and it does. Today, it's actually becoming more common for young people to seek out a cool city or a place they want to live, go there, and then find out what jobs are available. This doesn't work so easily for doctors. Every city, suburb, and town in America needs doctors. Not every one of these cities, suburbs, or towns is full of incredible restaurants, great nightlife, great schools, a symphony, and an NFL team. The love, hate, or indifference you feel for your town is subjective and not easily measured. However, the effect this has on your happiness, lifestyle, and even health is measurable and very real. The same goes for your spouse and children. Right now, maybe you're getting ready to finish residency. You're considering a new job offer. Maybe you just took a job, but you know it's only going to be temporary. Maybe you hate your town and everything about it. Maybe you're just so busy with your practice, you have no idea who your neighbors are, and to find anything other than the hospital or the grocery store, you got to use the GPS. If any of this sounds familiar, this is the episode for you. Today, our guest is Melody Warnick. In her book, This is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live, Melody explores why Americans move so much and the effect this has on our careers, happiness, and even health. She should know because she's relocated herself six times in the last 15 years. We're going to explore her research and data that can help you make better decisions on picking a place you want to live. Most importantly, we're going to explore her strategies and tips and tricks for making a place your home, even if you don't really like it. We covered a lot during this episode, so check out our show notes after you listen. It really was a great episode, and we really enjoyed our conversation with Melody. With that said, let's get started. Melody, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I was reading your book, and you have moved quite a bit. Give us an idea of why you've moved so much and what, how that, those experiences led to you writing this book. You know, I, I never started out to move. Every time my family has moved, which um, has been six times in the last 15 years or so, it was always for a really practical reason. Um, you know, we got a job somewhere or we wanted to live closer to family or my husband went to grad school in Iowa. So we've crisscrossed the nation from um, the, the West to Maryland, to Utah, to Iowa, to Texas. Um, and we were living in Austin, Texas, thinking that this was going to be the place where we were going to just settle in and put down roots. And then my husband found out about his dream job at Virginia Tech University in Blacksburg, Virginia. And within a couple of years of moving to Austin, we found ourselves moving again um, to to the east. Um, so we kept moving around thinking that the next place we landed was going to be it. You know, the place we wanted to live forever, the place that would somehow make our lives much better. There's this idea called the geographic cure, which is this sense that a lot of us have that if we can just find the right city, the right town, our lives will be happier, we will be better people. Um, and so even though we were moving for, you know, normal reasons, jobs and so on, there was always this um, background emotion of wanting to find our place, the place where we really belonged, the place where we'd want to stay forever and things would just click. Um, and, and what we discovered is that that's really hard to find sometimes, um, that moving to new places is difficult and it can be hard to, to feel at home. Well, Melody, I noticed in your book, you did a lot of research about this and the average American moves an average of 11.7 times during their lifetime. Uh, 12% of us move every year in this country. How has this changed from, say, our parents' generation, grandparents' generation, and how, did the, how does this moving affect people, their families, their kids? Give us an idea of what you learned in this research. We've long been a really mobile country. Um, 
probably our grandparents' generation moved a little more than we do. Um, on average, around 20% of Americans were moving each year. Um, I think there is a culture in the United States of equating moving and geographic mobility with success. That if you want to be successful, if you want to have a good life, you're not going to stay in your hometown. You're going to move to New York City or you're going to move somewhere new. You're going to chase jobs and education. And to an extent, that's been a good thing. You know, it's it's not a terrible thing to try new places and have new adventures um, in new locales. But we've lost something as a people, too. One of the things that I learned about as I um, researched, you know, why people move so much and how it affects us is that um, there's something called place attachment. And place attachment is that feeling you have of being at home in a place of feeling like this is this is my town this is where i belong it's you know when you go on vacation and you come home and you think ah i'm so happy to be home that's place attachment and place attachment comes with a whole array of health and well-being benefits people who are place attached who feel rooted where they live are more likely to be happy they have more connections, um, a broader social network, more social capital. They tend to be healthier. Um, they live longer. There was a study out of Japan that showed that elderly people who liked where they lived lived on average 6% longer than those who didn't. Mm. Um, and so when we move a lot, we lose some of those benefits. We can come to feel really disconnected, not only from the people around us, but from our place. Um, we treat it like background noise to our lives. You know, our lives are, are the job and, um, you know, our house maybe, but we don't really think that much about community. But community really matters to how happy we are. Well, that's um, very much the message that we try to cover in this uh, podcast. Um, but Melody, you're listening to a, rather your listener base right now is a group that may not have had the choice as to where they go. Um, first of all, uh, we go where the medical school is. Second of all, we go where the residencies go and we get accepted there. And then there's no guarantee that the job is going to be either in our hometown or, uh, or even in a town that we chose to, to go to. We go where the, the job and where, where our, our practice fits. Are there ways, and, I, and it's a trick question because I read your book and I know there are, is there, <laughs> is there a way to make um, the city fit? Is there a way to actually get that place attachment, even if you're not picking the place uh, as, oh, that's where I want to live? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a really common situation. And not unlike my situation, my husband um, was an academic and we kind of have a similar thing where you graduate from, you know, your grad program and you can't stay here and you just sort of have to take whatever is, whatever jobs are available that year. And you may end up in a place that you never imagined yourself living. Right. Um, when my family moved here to Blacksburg, Virginia, which is a town of about 43,000, we did it thinking that this was going to be a great fit for our family you know, a kind of small town. We had two fairly young kids at the time. Um, but when we got here, it was kind of a shock, realizing that, oh my gosh, we live in sort of the deep South. And, um, you know, this was n not a place we'd ever imagined ourselves living. Our families are really far away. And um, the impetus for writing This Is Where You Belong for me was realizing that I didn't like my town um, and I had just moved here and um, and I was stuck or at least I felt that way. Um, I you know, was torn between wanting to give my kids a little bit of stability. They had moved a lot um, and, and wanting to just pack everything up and try somewhere new. So that that experience of ending up in a place that you maybe didn't choose or maybe you did choose and then realized when you got there that you were all wrong about it, um, that's really common and it can be really disconcerting. M moving is always challenging. Um, it can make you feel really lonely. It can be really chaotic. One person that I talked to for the book um, described moving to Pennsylvania after a lifetime in Minnesota 
and said, I realized that um, if I died, no one in 50 miles would know or care because she was so alone in this new, um, this new place that she'd settled in. Those feelings can be really overwhelming and depressing. Um, so the thing I wanted to learn was, can you make yourself feel at home in a place? You know, that feeling of place attachment, which tends to develop over time, and it usually peaks between three and five years. Can you manufacture that for yourself? Can you make yourself feel more at home in a place? And what I realized from all the research I did and the people I talked to that, yes, you can. Um, that is the happy message of my book is that even if you're in a place that doesn't really feel like home, um, that may not have been your first choice or your second or your 10th choice, you can learn to love where you live and be relatively happy there. Well, Melody, we really want to explore that in greater depth with you because that's the main message of your book. Before we get there, let's just take a step back. If you imagine a, a recent medical graduate just came out of residency, just came out of fellowship, uh, or it could be someone already in the practice, and they're looking at, say, three job offers on their desk right now. And these are in three different towns or cities around the country. And they have maybe, say, an afternoon in each one. Uh, first of all, give us an idea, because you've moved so much. They want to get an idea, not just is this the right practice setting for them, the right career move, but is this going to be the right place for them to live and for their family? Uh, first of all, is that afternoon enough time? And if it's not, what still can you do? Who can you talk with? Where can you go? to get the best idea of what that place is and how you may or may not connect with it. So in a dream universe, you'd have a lot more than an afternoon. Catherine Laughlin is um, a, a place consultant that I talked to for um, my book. And she wrote her own book called Place Match. And she describes that process of finding a new place to live as kind of a dating relationship where you're sort of slowly feeling each other out and you go out a few times, you know, you may, maybe spend a few weekends together, stuff like that, before you decide that, yes, this is the place, I, I'm going to move here. Um, that works maybe if you're retiring or you're really wealthy or just have a lot of time on your hands. But if you're a medical student or, a, you know, a physician who's considering switching practices, chances are really good that you maybe have a day or two to figure this out. You know, is this city going to work for my family? Um, and, and that's really daunting and stressful. And you wonder, you know, what should I do in this time that I have? You know, should I drive around and visit all the elementary schools? Or, you know, should I um, go talk to the local police officers or, or something like that? Um, so here's a hint. Um, a few years ago, in between 2009 and 2012, the Knight Foundation and Gallup wanted to find out what makes people feel really um, attached to where they live, what makes people fall in love with their town. So they interviewed 26,000 people in 26 different cities across the country, you know, towns of all sizes, um, from Milledgeville, Georgia, to Denver. Um, and they asked people, you know, how do you feel about where you live? How do you feel about the local park system, the police force, the schools, the traffic? Um, you know, they'd ask people weird questions like, imagine your life is a ladder and, you know, the top of the ladder is your best life and the bottom of the ladder is your worst life. What rung of the ladder are you on? You know, really <laughs> digging deep sort of things. Um, and then they gathered all this data and um, analyzed it and discovered to their surprise that in city after city, three main factors mattered the most um, to whether people felt attached there, whether people liked where they lived and were happy there. And they are not what you would think, um, at least not what I would have thought. Um, they are really squishy, soft sort of factors. Um, the first is aesthetics. It's really important to feel like the place you live is beautiful in some way. Second is social offerings or feeling like there are things to do in your town and there are people to do it with. Um, and third is openness. 
we want to feel like our place is welcoming to all kinds of people. There are opportunities there for um, different kinds of people. So those three factors, when people felt that their town did well, um, they felt happy. They didn't want to move away. They were satisfied where they lived. So how do we apply that when we are trying to find a new place to live? Knowing that those three factors matter most, when you go to the new town and you have, you know, the afternoon or the day to check it out and, and see what it's like, be on the lookout for those three things. Um, you know, what do you feel about how this place looks? And that can be completely different for everyone. We all have different ideas about landscape and, and what's beautiful to us. But, um, you know, maybe seeing are there nice local parks? Do you do you like the mountains, the trees? You know, is this a place that looks nice and is somehow appealing to you in that aesthetic way? Um, for social offerings, check out local event listings. I like to go to the local, you know, bookstore, the local library and look at the flyers on the wall. You know, are there things going on? Are there cool programs for my kids and, and for people my age? Um, and third, you know, for openness, try striking up some conversations with people in town. Go to a bakery and, you know, see if the, the person behind the counter will answer a few of your questions about where they live. I've, I've done that as part of my research for the book, you know, went to a town and um, started talking to strangers, you know, how do you like where you live? You know, what do you do for fun around here? People are surprisingly honest and that's helpful, but even more helpful is seeing how they respond to your questions. Are they friendly? Are they eager, you know, to think that someone might be moving to their town? Are, you know, are people willing to share their ideas about it? When people really love where they live, they become ambassadors for it. They're excited about their place and and they want other people to be excited about it too. So if you find people who feel that way about their town, that's a great sign. You know, this is a place that other people love. Chances are that you will come to love it too. That's great. It's interesting. That's um, the advice we often give to people in either choosing residency or choosing jobs as well is talk to the people in the job, talk to the people in the community about the um, the practice and see what their response is. Particularly in a residency, you talk to the doctors and see, are, do they really like it, um, rather than just the people who are the um, the tour guides, and you learn so much. So that that um, that is something that, that really connects with, with what our experience is as physicians. That's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are there um, anything that, that are deal breakers that you've found? Is there anything we should watch out for that is, a, that is really just a big red warning sign, don't go to this community? Or I guess that'll be dependent on the, the individual more than anything else. Yeah, it really does depend on the individual. Um, you know, an interesting thing, uh, as I was thinking about how doctors choose where to practice, um, a lot of small towns have a hard time recruiting physicians um, because, you know, physicians do their med school in bigger cities and they just may not um, feel like this is what they want to do. But there are people who love it um, and they they love it maybe for the same reasons that other people can't stand it. <laughs> you know, they they love it because it, it's quiet and there's a sense of community and everyone knows everyone else. And, um, you know, it, it's a great place for families, but it might not be a great place for single people, stuff like right. that. Um, one thing that I've um, seen people do when they're thinking about moving to a new place is you know, a good old fashioned spreadsheet or a pros con list. One mm -hmm. person that I talked to who uh, was looking for a new place to live and, and didn't really know where he wanted to go, made a spreadsheet with, you know, 12 or 15 different factors that mattered to him. And they may not be the things that matter to other people. Um, but he was interested in, you know, what's the local cinema like? What's, um, you know, what's the, the high temperature in winter? Uh, what's the prevalence of Lyme disease locally? These were things that he personally had zeroed in on. So um, for warning signs, there really aren't any other than, you know, there's 
um, some sort of open sewer in your backyard or, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not sure I would send anyone to Flint, Michigan right now um, dealing with right. their problems there. But um, the thing that I've realized researching places and what makes us happy where we live is that your place is really um, your perception of it. There is no one version of a city. It's really what you choose to see in it and think about it. Um, when I wrote the book, I did a trip up to West Virginia and I met a woman named Gertie Moore who lived in this tiny, tiny town in this, you know, little holler of West Virginia, a coal mining town. And it was not any place that I could imagine myself living. And it, she had lived there her whole life. She was completely devoted to it. She was a member of you know, every club in town from the Rotary to the Red Hat Society. And everyone knew her and she knew everyone. And she led this incredibly rich, meaningful life in this place that most of us would turn up our noses at. Mm. Um, so it, it's not really the place per se most of the time. It's how you go about thinking about it and building your community there. Well, Melody, a lot of your uh, the things that you talk about in the book are relatively long-term things, like um, being loyal to the town and, and trying the shops and trying the foods and, and trying to get involved in the politics and things like that. It's not something that you're going to come in and within the first couple months you're going to have that all sorted out. What kind of tips would you give people to be patient or to try to get through those early stages when you really do miss... Um, uh, Pennsylvania or wherever you moved from and say, oh, why did I move here? I tell people to be gentle with themselves. Um, you know, moving just sucks. It does. And um, it can be really difficult and lonely. Um, so if you, all your friends from your old town are on Facebook, go ahead and spend, you know, spend some time there on Facebook. But on the other hand, um, you know, if you allow yourself to indulge in some depression or um, loneliness in your new place, it will take longer for you to actually settle in. Um, the best thing you can do to have a quick win in your new town, I think, is find your tribe as fast as you can. Building relationships with people is the number one thing that will make you feel at home in a place. So that might be your work community, you know, doing social things with some of them um, when you can, or it might be finding the soccer league or signing up for an art class or, you know, inviting your neighbors out to dinner, something like that, that will help you um, feel like you have some social connections. It will make you less isolated and it will make you happier um, more quickly. And, and now I know you're going to say, but we're really busy. We're doctors. We don't have time for friends. Um, well, they are saying that. I, I promise you. <laughs> That's right. You, you read our minds. <laughs> and I, I totally get that. So I'm going to give you some alternatives. Um, socializing takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of time. And for some people, it can just feel like too much um, in a new place. I think there are benefits simply to being in social circumstances, even if you are not the one who's, you know, talking and having conversations, um, which is why I think it can be a smart idea to find a third place. The third place is this idea of having a place where you hang out that's not work and it's not home. It's it's a third place. So Imagine it's like the, the bar from Cheers where you walk in and everyone knows who you are. So finding a third place in, you know, modern America is like finding the coffee house where you always go and, you know, grab your latte on your way to work or, you know, something like that. And it can give you kind of that little hit of being in a community without really being in a community, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also think that um, another 
easy, quick thing to do that gives you a sense of mastery over where you live is walking. When you're new to a place, one of the things that's really difficult about it is you just don't know your way around. And things that were automatic in your last town, like how to get to the hospital, you did it without thinking, all of a sudden in your new town requires more mental energy than you really want to give to it. So a quick way to create these mental maps of your new town is to get out and walk. Why is walking better than driving? Because it's slow. Um, and the slowness of it, the human pace of it, allows you to observe your surroundings, to discover new things, to feel a part of where you are, you know, potentially talk to neighbors and other people. Um, and it also allows you to create a sense of you know, where my neighborhood fits in the grand scheme of my town. So if you can you know, find a way to walk to the grocery store or to a local bakery or a restaurant that gives you a, a sense of place that's really important to feeling settled where you live. That makes a lot of sense, Melody. You were talking earlier about being busy and we were talking about doctors being busy. So I just want to take a quick step back here. I know when a lot of them are listening to this, there's a couple of things that happen. If, if a physician is being recruited to a hospital, for example, they often will put out the, the red carpet, literally. They'll pick them up at the airport in a, in a, in a, um, a limo. They'll maybe already uh, find a real estate agent to talk with them. They're going to try to make sure everything looks great. And they're also going to try to manage their time during that visit so they only see what's going to look good. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Two, they're going to be very busy. There's a lot going on. And I'm really interested in this idea about this place consultant. I never heard of such a thing. What's involved there? What, what, what do they do? What's their methodology? Tell us a little more about that really quick. Well, Catherine Laughlin, um, who is a place consultant, normally um, she consults with cities who are cities that are interested in making themselves more appealing to the people who are um, trying to move there. Um, so she'd be the person on the other end um, working with city leaders who are trying to trick people into moving to their town, <laughs> you know, like trying to make sure that people only see the the very good things um, about the town. But she also um, does offer a service where she will talk to you on um, the phone and um, get a sense of what matters most to you and help match you to a town. Um, it's something that I've thought about doing too and have never actually had the chance to do, um, but to help people find the, the right place for them. Um, having moved so many times, I've come up with some ways that can help you research. You know, we talked about what happens if you go visit the town and you really only have a half day to check it out, which is is probably the norm for most of us. You know, we have a very limited window to do like a quick driving tour of where we are. And half the time it's with a realtor who very carefully avoids the bad neighborhoods and, you know, make sure you only see the very best things about this town. Um, but I have um, learned over, over time to really dig in online um, to find, um, find, places online that help you learn about this, um, the place that you're thinking of moving. So I have a few websites to recommend um, to your listeners. Um, one is called citydata.com. It's city-data.com. This is a website um, where people talk about cities. There is an enormous system of message boards and um Anyone is um, free to go on and say, hey, you know, what can you tell me about Punxsutawney or whatever? Um, but chances are, if you search through their forums, you will find that someone has already asked your question. You know, like between these two cities, where should I settle? What's the best neighborhood here? Where's the best schools? Things like that. Um, and these are answers posted mostly by people who live there or have lived there. So they're really honest and can give you a, um, a good sense of what a place is like. Um, before I moved to Blacksburg, I looked at a lot of YouTube videos. You can surprisingly find 
random YouTube videos that people will film of, you know, this is me driving through Blacksburg, Blacksburg's downtown. And I would watch these videos religiously to try and get a sense of this place I had never visited before. Um, Greatschools.net is a wonderful resource for checking out um, the school system where you're considering moving. And I also think um, because um, social media is so omnipresent, simply going to Instagram or you know Facebook and searching for the name of the town you're considering moving to, um, either just as a standalone word or as a hashtag, turn up um, a lot of posts about it. And you can kind of get a sense from the sorts of things people are posting about um, what this place is like. Melody, we're going to put a lot of these links up on the show notes, the Gallup poll, everything that you mentioned here, so all of our viewers can take a deeper awesome. look at this a little later on. And let's talk, let's go back to the idea of really trying to make something your home. So we all know there are some towns out there, some communities that are going to be difficult fits for people, or maybe they're an economically depressed area. It's not a place where everybody wants to live. I hate to say it, but I think of that old Bill Maher joke that, you know, they call them small towns for a reason because nobody wants to live there, you know, <laughs> small. <laughs> but there is something there for everybody if we, if we dig deep enough. Let's talk about that when you are, medical care is needed in every community. And these places need to recruit physicians just like anyone else. If you're coming into a place that's not as easy, it's, there's not as much entertainment, the, the symphony's not there, the, the NFL team you, you like is not there. What are some things that you can do, um, even if you know it's not a place you're going to live for a long time, um, to start getting more deeply involved in the community as far as civic organizations, for example? Um, I want to tell you um, about this idea that um, is really central to my book and it has been growing in popularity around the country and it's called placemaking. It is this idea that um, people more and more are, they want to have a hand in creating their community, making their city better. It used to be that people kind of treated um, their city as consumers. We simply sat there and waited for the local government to give us amenities and um, we accepted them. Now people want to be creators in their cities. And that's actually had the effect of making some of these struggling cities more popular. Look at Detroit, for instance, you know, a, a city that is kind of the poster child for troubled. And yet, People are moving there on purpose because they want to have a hand in in building it up and, you know, building it from scratch. It's sort of the Wild West in terms of um, what people can do to um, build a community from the ground up. And that's really exciting for a lot of people. And I think no one is better positioned to do this kind of placemaking work than a doctor. Um, that's because you move to a city and you instantly have street cred. Um, people recognize that what you do is valuable. They're happy to have you there. And especially in a small town where you may have been recruited like crazy to get you to come there, you're sort of like an instant celebrity. People really welcome you and they want you there. And that puts you in um, this wonderful position to really get involved in your community and make a difference to it. And again, with the busy thing, I know that um, building a city takes time, but um, a lot of physicians might be doing some of these things already, like joining community boards or volunteering for nonprofits or simply donating money sometimes um, can make a huge difference. You support local businesses, you subscribe to the local newspaper, you show up for community events, you know, you become a judge at the county fair, <laughs> things like that. Um, and those things have the, the multiple benefit of not only making you feel more quickly, like you belong there, like you're part of the community, it creates a lot of place attachment to get involved in that way in volunteering. Um, 
but it also allows you to fix some of those problems that may have turned you off at the beginning. Um, it's really energizing to be a part of a community that's trying to better itself. And I think that's going on in a lot of places right now, you know, especially Rust Belt communities that may have been overlooked. People, you know, maybe don't want to move to Cleveland or Detroit, but there's a true vibe in those cities to um, make themselves better and to make interesting things happen. And that can be really um, fun and exciting. And I will say, you know, having worked with physicians in almost every hospital setting, I mean, academic to very small towns, where there's only three operating rooms to military hospitals, you name it. And today, so many physicians complain and are concerned about the idea that they're being told what to do by everybody. Um, that goes from the government down to hospital administration. And I would caution everybody to really don't pass up on some of these communities, because if a hospital really wants you, especially a smaller one, this could be a place where you're going to actually know the CEO by name. And you don't have to be the biggest generator in the hospital to do that. And you can have a bigger say in what actually happens there. If you're a, a smaller a physician in a much bigger academic institution, you may never talk to the CEO. You may never see them. And it's, these are things to think about because depending on the kind of practice you want to have and the influence that you want to have, your community and that hospital can have a lot to do with that. So I, I I'm glad you're bringing this up, Melody, because I think it's it goes along with what we've talked about in the show and what we're thinking about. Let's yeah, take it I, different. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to uh, mention a, a study that I found. It, it was a, a 2009 study done by uh, UC Berkeley and UC Davis, um, their schools of public health, and it it tackled this problem. You know, how do small towns recruit doctors, and what makes a doctor want to go to a small town? So they found that. People who grew up in small towns were way more likely to want to return to that kind of rural environment. Um, but also people were motivated to move to small town practices for four reasons. Um, they wanted a sense of place. They wanted to be involved in the community. They wanted that familiarity and they wanted self-actualization. That last one is really interesting. It's like um, people recognize that it can be more meaningful to practice in um, that environment where you feel like you're actually serving. <laughs> you know that um, you know that's kind of the cliche that you know every doctor wants to help people, but in a small town, you really can feel like you're making an enormous difference to people. Right. I think we're going to see a rebound, too, because a whole bunch of doctors uh, at the time of the downturn and, and because of various regulations thing grouped together in these big hospital practices and sort of clustered in the big cities in these gigantic uh, monolithic things. And I think a lot of doctors now are saying, wait a minute, I don't have a voice anymore. So I think we're actually going to see more people coming out to the, the smaller communities. Um, and I think also uh, a lot of the tools that you talk about for building a community are the same tools we talk about for building a practice. And um, I think that, that people will see, well, that's time that, that I need to spend, and it's, it overlaps. You know, if I get out into the community and people know me, I'm not only going to know the community, but they're going to come and they're going to build my practice. Right, and there's a really um, nice symbiotic relationship there between um, building your practice and being effective in it and actually knowing your community. You know, the, the better you know your community, um, you understand its needs and some of its problems, the more effective you're going to be practicing medicine in, in this place. Right. I have to say, um, when we were um, starting up, and my in initial thing about medicine is to say, oh, the great thing about medicine is you can always move. You can always get a new practice. You can always move to the other thing. And since talking with you and reading your book, I'm thinking my message needs to reverse to, no, the best thing about medicine is you can be patient. You know you're always going to have a job. You know you're always going to have people and an important part of the community. Work with the community. Stay in the community and make it your own. Yeah, I I mean, I love that. And the thing is, um, despite what I've been saying here today, I'm not against moving. You know, I've done it a bunch of times myself. And there certainly are times when it is 
the best thing or or maybe just the necessary thing, um, the thing that you don't have any control over. But I think um, that some of us default to it really quickly. You know, things aren't really going well. The practice isn't going how I wanted or, you know, there's something annoying about this community I live in. And so I'm just going to like bag it and move on. Um, and there's an element of resilience and loyalty that comes into play here that, you know, our towns aren't perfect and, and our jobs will never be perfect either. But there are benefits to simply deciding that this is where you're going to be. Richard Florida is a sociologist and he says there are three kinds of people. You know, there's always three kinds of people. Um, <laughs> but the, there are three kinds of people. There are people who are mobile, who just you know, kind of keep moving. They haven't really found their place yet. There are people who are stuck, meaning they they aren't moving, but they're not really happy where they are. Um, they're maybe thinking about moving or wanting to. Um, and then the third category is people who are rooted. And those are people who have chosen to be where they are. Um, they are happy with it and they are going to stay. And I think it, that category is the sweet spot you know it's not really about how often you move but it's about your choice to be in a place um you know especially for doctors or you know people who are in the intern residency stage you may move to a community knowing that you're only going to be there for a couple of years um at most and so there's this temptation to just say why should i invest here you know i'm not going to be here very long but the thing you un you start to understand about place attachment is it makes us happy. You know, this is the key to feeling good in your life, feeling like you have relationships, that you have interesting things to do, you're part of something bigger than yourself. And who would want to just uh, abandon that for a year or two, you know, to say, I'm I'm not going to make friends here, I'm not going to get to know anyone, and I'm just going to put my head down and work, you know, that's okay to a certain extent. But um, even if you're only going to be in your community for a little while, become part of it. Um, join join a group, volunteer somewhere, um, patronize local businesses, find a local restaurant and become a regular there. You know, find a, a hiking trail that you love and hike it again and again till it becomes your favorite place in town. Doing those things, you know, it increases your well-being, it increases your health, and it makes it so that when the time comes to move, you are taking lots of memories and meaning with you and, and probably lots of good relationships, too. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up restaurants because that's a big concern. You move into a smaller town or even a town that just doesn't have very good restaurants. If you've gotten used to that, that's that's a pretty big void. And I actually know of a, a physician who found a restaurant and a, and a really gifted chef, and he's practically bankrolled the restaurant himself. He became an investor. <laughs> His two sons have become waiters there. And he said, you know what? I love the place. They, they you know, he comes up with, with creative and new menu items every week, and, and I'm going to patronize it and make sure it stays. And that's an that extreme is, example, but you do what you got to do. No, I love that story because, you know, one of the things that I realized is that a big part of what makes – towns, but especially small towns, feel unique. You know, what gives them their identity is these small locally owned businesses and restaurants. You, know, you can find an Applebee's just about anywhere, but, um, you, you know, Lefty's, which is the restaurant in my town, it, it's only here in Blacksburg and that's something unique. But if you don't want those businesses to disappear, you have to patronize them. You have to go to them. Um, I totally understand the restaurant thing. We moved to this town, Blacksburg, from Austin, Texas, which is sort of famous for food. <laughs> um, you know, barbecue and Mexican, and really the food was kind of the best thing about living there. And we moved to Blacksburg, and it was like, we have no good Mexican, and it was sort of depressing. Um, but I found that over time, <laughs> And, and again, this may just be that place attachment benefit that sort of evolves over time. 
you kind of stop missing the old places and you really come to appreciate what you have. You know, even if it's just that one Italian restaurant that serves the good lasagna or whatever, you you become really loyal to your your one local place that that you love. So now I'm all hungry. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me too. I'm starving now. Well, Melody, we're coming close to the end of the hour, and we obviously want to respect your time. Um, you okay if we do a couple quick questions? We'll finish Yeah, it absolutely. One other thing, spouse and family. So maybe you're on board. You've looked at this opportunity. This is a good place to move. The spouse isn't. Or you get there, and your spouse just hates the place. And kids, you know, moving can be tough on kids. Tell us what you've learned about the family. I know you have a husband and kids, and give us your advice there um, for helping them integrate into the community as well. Yeah, I've been asked this question a lot because it's such a challenge. Um, you know, what do you do if you feel really great about this town and your spouse just can't stand it? Um, a lot of our connection to cities or towns is based on personality that you know places have personality and so do we and so it can be really individualized that um, a, a town that works really well for you might not work for your spouse or kids unfortunately you don't always um, have control over that like we've talked about sometimes you you move for a job and someone's going to end up slightly miserable, which is not a great situation. Um, you know, I think one of the keys here is acknowledging that, um, you know, it, there's probably nothing worse than uh, feeling uncomfortable in a place or feeling unhappy and having a spouse who keeps telling you, no, it's great. What, you know, just buck up and 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 be happy. Those feelings can be really real. But again, back to the message of this is where you belong. I think we can we can do a lot to change those feelings. Um, and a lot of it has to do with um, actions we take and behaviors of thought that we practice. Um, if you're the, the trailing spouse, you've been dragged to a city where you never wanted to live, you're far away from family, it would be easy to just hole up and feel sorry for yourself. But um, doing some of the things that I talk about in the book, like, um, you know, meeting neighbors, finding the fun things to do in your town, buying local, things like that, um, taking a proactive approach to the place you ended up, hopefully will change your feelings about it over time. Um, I think also, doing a little problem solving. What's the thing that's making you miserable here? Is it that you're isolated? You haven't found your tribe? You know, find out what's really going on and, and maybe problem solve a little. You know, would it help if you move to a new house that's closer to work and you didn't have such a long commute? Or, um, you know, if you joined a church where you would have more of a, a social group? Um one of the things that came up in my research is the importance of family. Um, this can be a really tough one. The Pew Center found that you are the least likely to move and the more likely, the most likely to be happy to stay put if you live within an hour's drive of at least six members of your extended family. Mm -hmm. So people feel better if you know they live near parents and siblings. And if you don't, if your job took you somewhere else, that can be really hard. And it, it's not something you can readily change. Um, but there are ways to cope with it. You know, maybe you just set aside a certain amount of money for vacations back home to see family, um, things like that. So I, I think, um, you know, keeping spouse and children happy in a place fires a little bit of buy-in on their part as well um but you know i i've been telling people who um you know moved with kids this summer make uh, your new town an adventure investigate all the ice cream shops in a 25 mile radius and um test them out thanks you know, for joining to, us on peer spectrum we support the show by writing a review on itunes and join the conversation at peerspectrum.com 
keep up with the latest episodes and share your ideas with us on Twitter, Facebook, or email at PeerSpectrum.com. Follow you and maybe just a recap on some of the websites and resources that you suggested because we learned a lot today. There's a lot to unpack, and I'm sure many of our viewers are going to want to look a little deeper into this as they're making decisions or thinking about job offers or just how to how to do a better job of making the place they are at home. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is my name, MelodyWarnick.com. It's M-E-L-O-D-Y-W-A-R-N-I-C-K.com. If you go there, you can find links to the book, which is This Is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live. And you can find the book on, you know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anything like that. And hopefully at your local bookstore too. I'm on most social media just under my name, Melody Warnick. Um, and um, yeah, if you go to my website, you can subscribe to a biweekly newsletter that I put out with lots of interesting curated links about um, place and why it matters. Well, Melody, that, that's great. And thank you again for coming on today. We really enjoyed our conversation with you. And um, again, we're going to get all these things up in the show notes so you can learn more and Give us your feedback, what you've learned out there, and uh, questions too. You know, if there's something we can do to help you as well, that's what we're aiming to do here with the program. Thank Go you ahead. so much for having me, Colin and Keith. I had a great time. It was great. Thank you. Well, everybody, thank you again for joining us. This is Colin Miller here with Keith Mankin, and that was Melody Warnick with us. You're on Pure Spectrum. Take care. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you here next time. Thanks for joining us on Pure Spectrum. Please support the show by writing a review on iTunes and join the conversation at PeerSpectrum.com. Keep up with the latest episodes and share your ideas with us on Twitter, Facebook, or email at PeerSpectrum.com.